They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number 16. Look at me getting my numbers all right up front. That's right. Suck it, internet. Suck my girthy dick. There we are. (laughs) We are back for another two movies from the tier three video nasties list. Joining me as always is my co-host with the most, Mark Ball. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I can't believe it's already almost fucking May. I'll be 35 here in like about two weeks. And uh, you do, yeah, where, you, where the fuck is this year gone? Jesus Christ, it's flown by. Come on here and moan about your 35 <laughs> and the, in a year <laughs> that I turn 40. The <laughs> year I turn 40, you're going to start moaning about being 30. I will foot your arse. You're um, like we're a... both cruising right along, man. The fucking days, the, the days go by pretty quick, except for when they don't, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm literally at this stage of life now. I'm, I'm held together with parcel tape. <laughs> it's like yep. popsicle <laughs> sticks and bubble gum. That's all that's holding this fucking train wreck together. <laughs> it's good to know that in the last month, um, the world is slowly starting to get better, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I, I know quite a few people that are fully vaccinated at this mm-hmm. point, and I actually got to hang out with some friends like a couple weekends ago for the first time in like a year because we were all like, hey, we're all fucking vaccinated. Let's get together in the backyard and have a fire and shit. And it was great. We've gone out to eat a couple times. We've been to the theater. Uh, well, not for a little while, I guess. We were talking about going and seeing Mortal Kombat here in the next like week so, or so. I'm sorry, that's it, not the name of that movie. The name of that movie is Mortal Kombat! <laughs> yes, with five, five exclamation points. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's playing at our theater, and I would be willing to wager if you waited until after opening weekend, there will probably be nobody in the fucking theater mm-hmm. after that, so... Uh, that that's one part that hasn't quite, I don't think, come all the way back is fucking movie theater. It's gonna shit, take a while. It will take a while. It's just it's the fact it's a large indoor space. Um, I think gigs are you know like live music and that will come back quicker than cinemas. Yeah, uh, just because people are active. Shows. In the, yeah, that you can do outdoor stuff, but people are just more active in a live music environment than they are. You know, it's like a cinema. You're going in and sitting down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's difficult to gauge that distance from someone else, and you'll probably find cinemas all self-imposed, like a like a two-seat minimum distance or whatever. But um, in terms of just like everything else, I think those. Plus, I think people are just wary, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just it's going to take time. I, I mean, a year and a, a, almost a year and a half of being kind of perpetually afraid of catching. Uh, you know, a global pandemic will make you look at the world a little bit differently. Um, So, yeah, we'll get there. Dude, we will get there, is what I'm saying to you. It's just a matter of time. Did you you end up seeing Godzilla vs. Kong? I have not seen it yet. Myself, uh, my wife, and my daughter are working our way through them. 
and we're supposed to be doing one a week and then last week I got sidetracked so we are yeah. about to do uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters um, and my daughter appears to be okay with them because we thought you know there's a kind of level of well she's just watched Jurassic Park she should be fine with but it's a whole lot more story in the Godzilla movies than there is yeah weirdly <laughs> yeah and then there is in Jurassic Park so and trying to explain why Godzilla in the first movie is kind of the good guy after she's watched him pretty much destroy <laughs> like, the, the, the armed forces and all that after. Like, no, he is a good guy, though. Just go with it, kid. Trust me. <laughs> Just, like, try I mean, the Avengers fucking blow up buildings and shit all the time, too, and nobody's yeah. out saying they're you know, fucking horrible monsters or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's like our, our head was a bit broken when she watched Jurassic World for the first time, and... Chris Pat has a uh, Blue the Raptor, who's like his trained friend, and yeah. all the other movies have told you that Velociraptors are evil fuckers, right? <laughs> so when she's seen him, she's like, "He's gonna get eaten, Dad." And I'm like, "No, no, no! He's trained him like you trained the the dog." And she's like, "But sometimes the dog misbehaves." And I'm like, "I know that, but if a raptor misbehaves, I'm like trying to try to explain this to a seven year old." Um, so we'll, we'll get there. I take it you have seen it. Uh, no, I have not. I, I haven't seen the last uh, Godzilla movie that came out like two years ago or whatever either. Ooh, I, need to get on that. I, I've seen the 2014 one, and I really like Kong Skull Island. That's uh, that's a pretty good movie. I, yep. I was thinking about that, your, your daughter watching that, and uh, like when they get to the, the, the part that's like an homage to fucking Cannibal Holocaust yeah. with the dude. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a couple gnarly parts of that fucking movie, if I remember right. Yes, yes, there is. Um, she, she got through it fine. Um, I think there was a couple of bits where she was like, I don't like that monster. Um, and I'm like, you're not supposed to, so that's fine. <laughs> so it's a bad guy. Yeah, that's a bad guy. Kong, Kong smash, so we'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, she's she's did she's did okay with them. It's, it's on the list of things for us to watch for sure. I've heard mixed reviews. Um, I've heard, uh, weirdly enough, the people that I thought would acclimate to it the best, i.e., the Godzilla fans, have been like, eh, it's all right. And the ones who were moaning, oh, she's going to be a big stupid monster movie, have been the ones that come back and said, this is bitching! So I'm like, I don't know. There'll be a middle ground somewhere in there. Like, Bo is a big Godzilla fan, and Bo wasn't completely sold on it. He said the yeah. human stuff was a bit pish, um, but like, all the fighting was great, and he just wanted the movie full of that fight. And I was like, well, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you physically, no studio will sign off on that. And he's like, I don't know what you mean. I was like, well, let me explain it this way to you, Bo. Guillermo del Toro did a massive movie where it was just nothing but scenes of, like, large kaiju fighting fucking mecha machines and all the rest with very little person-to-person -person story. There wasn't really a love interest or any of that. And it critically got panned. So every studio now is like that. We need a love story in this massive monster movie. So yeah. you, you can't win. It's like it'll appeal to one side. It doesn't appeal to the other, vice versa. So I'm looking forward to checking out. Anyway, Wingard's obviously, he's on his second win now since, um, since the movie came out and his name's been attached to fucking all manner of different things, including a face-off remake, which is a remake we don't need. Um, yeah, they've been talking about that one for a couple of years now, it seems like. I just don't know how you get to replace Nick Cage's crazy performance. I, like, I just don't know. I, unless they bring him back, uh, which I would do in a second. <laughs> <laughs> old, old face-off. <laughs> old face-off. <laughs> He gets a facelift while he's at it. Um, so, yeah, like on this episode though, Mark, I'm very excited because uh, we have been kind of tiptoeing the last couple of episodes with at least one decent movie to two decent movies. 
Um, and that's going to continue on here for sure because in this episode we get to talk about one of my favourite horror movies of all time in Suspiria and we will be linking up with what is arguably one of the greatest Australian movies ever made in the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. Now I'm going to stress that all week on Podcast Under the Stairs I've been calling this one the chant of Jimmy the Blacksmith. Um, <laughs> Which, that's not right. He is not a blacksmith, right? Uh, so I'm just going to stress that. I don't know where, I, that obviously got stuck in my head at some point. So that's literally, although the chant of Jimmy the blacksmith does sound like an old like folktale mentioned around the campfire. It's got Paul, Paul Revere vibes for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, yeah, we're doing that. Both movies, about a year apart. Um, and both classed as kind of seminal movies from their their uh, respective countries. So I am very much looking forward to getting into this for sure. On this episode, it feels right that we start with the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith um, because uh, I don't know how long we're going to go on that. I know we're likely to go long on Suspiria because it's fucking Suspiria. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm full of glee. To do this, and the best way to do that is to start by taking a break, uh, so I can calm myself down. You can listen to an eloquent person from the Video Nasty documentary. Jump on here, do a little bit of an intro for it, um, and yeah, then you hear the trailer. Myself and Mark will be back to discuss that movie right after this. So this film is the Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, which is directed by Fred Trapese, and it was written by Thomas Keneally, who wrote Schindler's Ark. Of course, uh, Schindler's List was based on his novel. And this film has a really interesting place in both Australian cinema history and also in the history of the development of Australia as a colony. It's set on the eve, it's set in 1900 on the eve of Australian Federation, which is basically when Australia became a unified country. And Australia has long lied to itself and the world by saying we were a country that were unified without a civil war. We were a country that was not founded on war and bloodshed, but was founded on um, unity. And actually, this film is a perfect example of the fact that this is complete rubbish. It's the story of Jimmy Blacksmith, who in modern parlance would be considered uh, one of the stolen generation, which was Aboriginal children that were taken away from their tribes and their Aboriginal parents and put into white homes. And it was hoped that the Aboriginality would be bred out of them. And so the eugenic argument would be, you know, if we integrate them, then we will redeem them or save them from their own Aboriginality. And what happens with this is that, aside from the fact that currently in Australia there are 67 definitions of Aboriginality, it isn't in itself a thing. It's not a race. It's not a, a kind of, you know, cultural identity. But in terms of the tribal specificity of an Indigenous Australian, uh, taking the child away from the tribe retained that child's sense of blackness but not that child's sense of cultural belonging or identity and so in this film we are reminded and Jimmy is reminded over and over of his blackness yet we never get a referent to what that could mean so there's no possibility of an occupation of a cultural identity in the same way that, uh, say, African-Americans have been able to reclaim their cultural identity. And so it's a very tragic kind of tale because it is a tale that situates a racial other and says, well, we've integrated you. So Jimmy has a um, white wife, but at the same time, 
His brother is hunted like a dog. And on the back of the video, we see his brother Mott is actually displayed as you would display a, a hunted animal that you've caught. And so Jimmy is forced between, are you going to be a civilized white person or are you going to be this animal that we need to hunt down because you're tribal and you need to be tamed? There are a lot of other issues that you see that remain really prevalent in Australian history. For example, there's a scene where you see a black young man hung in custody and still in Australia now, we have a huge issue with suicide in custody among young Aboriginal men. There is an argument that these men are being murdered by the police. There is another argument that the suicide rate is so high because Aboriginal men uh, simply cannot integrate into what we consider uh, sort of Western white legal systems. Because remember, we're talking about tribal people. We're not talking about a unified, ubiquitous kind of cultural identity. And so Shapizzi, I think, does a brilliant job because in the scene, the image is framed by the window and it shows this kind of framing. How do, we, how do we frame racial alterity? How do we talk about racial otherness without imposing a Western eye upon that racial otherness? Put very simply, the film is a revenge tale because at the end, uh, Jimmy goes crazy and kills people with an axe. And it's seen as a kind of treachery because he kills the very white people that have tried to take him in and adopt him. But what it shows is that there is no integration, that um, the integration was a fantasy of the white people, not a fantasy of the black people. And also the forced integration is no integration at all. It's a colonisation. Um, whole generations of black children were taken in, they were used, they were meant to be part of the family, but they weren't. They were sexually abused, they were physically abused, they were used as servants, they essentially became slaves. It's a very radical film, it's a film that I find very surprising in that people don't talk about it more often. Uh, and I think that potentially, while it has quite a high level of violence, it is set in a lawless time. It's on that cusp where Australia was becoming a federation, but it's still essentially a Wild West film in a lot of ways. But also there's a higher political argument that this kind of exposure of both the stolen generation and the claim that Australia was founded without a civil war when Australia was actually founded on mass genocide is something that would unsurprisingly be considered completely unpalatable to the British public and to the BBFC. And so depending on how conspiratorial one is feeling at any given time, you could argue it could be because it is a very violent film in the same kind of way as any other native gone wild or lawless um, Wild West film. But it also has some serious political comments and issues that to this day remain volatile in Australian society and in Australian politics and potentially it's certainly not a film that one would want marketed um, in terms of trying to ablate the blame for the genocides that occurred during both colonisation but also that was still occurring 120, 130 and now over 200 years later. Missionary black. No was tell a missionary black. You'd seven and six a week, Tucker. Horse, sleep in the stables, no boots. Where have you been, Master Blacksmith? Haven't it occurred to you that you might be needed for higher things? Hmm? Ah, you do read, don't you? Of course I read. 
morning, boss. This is... Yeah. yeah. No reference. That's cause you can't bloody write. <laughs> I come to help you get rich. I'll trust your nigga to turn my property into a black scamp then. What about me groceries? We need him. Look, the husband's not a charitable institution, Mr. Backsmith. What will you lend your wife to white boy? White fella don't lend his wife to anybody. I understand you're going to marry a white girl, Mr. Blacksmith. You marry a white girl. Pay a total. You owe me, Mr. Newby, for 900 yards. Listen, Jimmy, don't you come the bush lawyer with me. You'll only lose that child of yours if you stay with the blacks. Believe you've got a real, genuine white. Jesus, you're a fussy, bloody black. Black bastards. The chant of Jimmy Blacksmith is the chant of the underdog. That's what I've done. Declared war! And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. This is directed by Fred Scapisci. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> that sounds all wrong. Uh, we'll, but go, we'll go with that. Yeah, it, sounds like it was directed by Fred. Fred Scampy, that's his name. Um, written by... <laughs> literally the worst thing I've ever said. Uh, he did the screenplay based on the novel by Jesus. Uh, Thomas... Keenan Alley? Maybe. I don't know. Fuck it. Um, this has a, a, a eclectic cast. Uh, we have Ray Barrett, Freddie R Reynolds, uh, Angela Punch McGregor. <laughs> Our middle name is Punch. Um, Tommy Lewis, Jack Thompson, Peter Carroll, Ruth Cracknell, uh, Elizabeth Alexander, Tim Robertson, Ray Mayer, which like made me laugh quite a bit because he is in a soap opera that used to play over here when I was a kid called uh, is he home and aware neighbours um, one of them I, 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 the witch will be all over this because the witch is fully aware of them um, and this this episode is dedicated to the witch because I know he listens to them and this is a movie from your place yay you guys are inhabited by nothing but criminals and make movies yay <laughs> and we love you we love you very much so yeah the synopsis for this one is Jimmy Blacksmith the son of an aboriginal mother and a white father falls victim to much racial abuse after marrying a white woman goes on a killing spree and finds himself on the run in the aftermath which is kind of right but also it's a very simplistic synopsis for what is a relatively complex movie so um okay maybe i don't know who who wrote that and um, so this one interestingly enough of all the movies we're going to be discussing in the nasties list this might be one of the most critically acclaimed overall 
in terms of awards won uh, and things nominated for. Um, at the time, this was nominated for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, so um, not many of those movies are going to appear on this nasty list. Because uh, yeah. you imagine Parasite being one of those. Like, <laughs> Charles Band's Battle of the Lord Butcher. Nominated for the Pandor. <laughs> Winner this of seven Oscars. Fucking, this is a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's kind of that's kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, I don't think it's a 100% movie. I think it has some issues. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think it's also... it's very much a product of its time um we're, go- we're gonna get into like i mean there's to me there's a glaring obvious reason why this is on the nasty list um oh, yeah. and it's, it's probably mostly going to be down to uh the the racial abuse that's flung around here which made censors and me very uncomfortable when watching this movie um yeah. it's yeah i mean we we did one before um back in the the, the very first season and the name escapes me now, but it was a movie where the N-bomb was dropped, I think it was about 40 times in the movie, and I was just very, 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 very aware of it, and by the end of the movie, I was like, there isn't really much in here except that, and that is probably why it was banned. And you have that here as well, but there's also, I mean, there's also death and murder and all the rest that comes along with that, it's just not as... I mean, it's handled surprisingly tactfully, considering the year it was made. And once again, this is at a time where Australia now has a, a kind of flourishing um, film program, film industry, etc. Back then, it didn't. So, like movies like this, which comes off the back of something like *Wake and Fright*, which is the Nicholas Roge movie, uh, not Nicholas Roge movie. That's the *Walkabouts* Nicholas Roge, which is also set in Australia. But *Wake and Fright*, which is considered the first kind of exploitation movie in itself so you get like it's like their, their cinema starts kind of emerging with these kind of long form really 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 interesting character studies in the in the kind of mid to late 70s and the chant the chant of jimmy blacksmith which i mean is loosely based on is it jimmy grosner or governor or grosner um who basically this entire movie is based on loosely um i, I mean it's a, 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 a quite horrific story and they handle it surprisingly well i'll say this about it this movie is what's about two hours long and yeah. it didn't feel two hours i mean i, I felt like the, the movie had a decent pace and kept me going and weirdly in parts, I kind of felt like that's a really interesting thing, and then we move on to the next kind of vignette, and I'm like, no, 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 we really. That's a, I would love to have just spent more time fleshing some of it out. Um, yeah, the language at times is a bit, a bit uncomfortable to watch. I, ne- I needed. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to say I needed subtitles for some of this. Like, it's, <laughs> no. it's it's an older movie, so the, the, the sound quality is like. I watched this on YouTube, so obviously, you know, there wasn't subtitles or anything, but yeah. uh, some of the dialogue's a little hard for me to understand. It's 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 old-timey and Australian accent, so I'm just yeah. like, oh, fuck, I kind of know what they're saying, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay I'm okay with that uh, over here, because like, like, we kind of grew up with kind of Australian soap operas, which is a weird concept when I think about it now, um, but just in general, I, I think... I think if you're in the UK, you probably acclimate a bit easier to, to understand than, 
Um, the gibberish that the witch speaks, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you said again, it, not me. It's <laughs> like really just makes up words, like like Barbie, which is a toy, not a barbecue. Uh, right, just just putting that in. I don't know why I'm going so hard on him today. Probably because I know he'll come back at me just as hard, which makes me smile. Uh, but yeah, like I think overall, I mean, this is a hugely you could spend a good hour delving into the individual setups and whatnot in this movie and I kind of want to do that but at the same time I kind of don't want to do that because I also feel that the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith is a movie which I don't think a lot of people that are listening to the show may have seen before even though it's relative you know it's, it's it holds a high um, degree of praise you mentioned that 100% on Rotten Tomatoes it got released by Eureka in the UK so Eureka put out a really good version of it um, through their Masters of Cinema collection that's how I saw it and the print's like impeccable um, so I, I mean I would I would advocate going down that avenue to check it out but I will say I thought the acting was really good I thought the story itself is I mean it's weird, like, Jimmy's never, in my opinion anyway, from my viewing, ever really truly a fully sympathetic character. I feel sorry for things that happen to him, but I'm never like, well, he's the hero of our story. Um, no. Which I think is a very difficult balancing act to do in a movie, and it's also very well played. And I think it also speaks to the fact that no one's a, no one should ever be a hero in a movie. Like, people fuck up. Uh, people make mistakes. People do things that are bad not everyone is pious and holier than now not, not, like, not even priests who actually have to be pious and holier than now are you know like is, is that is that level so handling the shades of grey in the character I think is done very very well is a fucking gorgeous movie to look at cinematography is is nothing short of stunning and I love the the Australian landscape anyway I think you know when it's shot on film even though if the person that was out there filming it probably died of a spider bite or something. <laughs> Shots fired. Drop bear, um, got him. Yeah, like... Uh, man, bear, pig, you know, eat him. Because uh, that's a creature over there. I just made that up. Um, or did I? Um, but yeah, so I, th I thought all that was really good. And I think it holds a very fine balancing act for the majority of the movie. And you're over, like, the thing about this one is pacing-wise, you have a whole hour of setup before shit really starts to take a turn. Yeah. And then the last hour to 45 minutes is really, like, Jimmy, like, becoming the, you know, the killer, um, the vengeful entity to an extent. And just the, like, someone that completely has lost sight of, of what he was trying to do. Um, at the start of the movie, mostly because of how he's been treated um, and how society has been unable to to accept him. But I would also argue that there, there, this is what the, where the interesting thing comes in. Like, even rejection from society doesn't turn everyone into what Jimmy becomes at the end. So part of that is in him. I really like that balancing act as part of the story. Uh, yeah, this is, it was a... a a first time watch for me I'd owned the Blu-ray for a while um, since Eureka put out and I, I really really enjoyed it I thought it was a, a very handsome movie to look at which sounds like what your grandmother says about your outfit when you're going to your, your, your high school dance it's a very <laughs> handsome outfit but it is it's a very handsome movie and it's, it's shot very 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 well yeah it suffers from maybe some issues to do with its age but 
dear God, we're about to talk about Suspiria after this, which also has moments of, yikes, uh, <laughs> oh no, ay 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 Um So yeah, I really enjoyed it. What about yourself? You had heard of this by reputation, I want to say, because when we were originally doing the list, you were like, oh, I've heard of that one before. So what did you make of it? I don't think I... I don't know if I had heard of this one before or not. Uh, I, I think... I'd made some comment like when we were going through the list or something when that one came up in conversation I was just like oh this sounds like uh, I, I thought this was going to be a kind of different movie like I, I really didn't know anything about this going in and I kind of thought for some reason that it took place like modern time and this was just going to be oh, like a yeah. super trashy like black exploitation kind of grindhouse <laughs> thing and it sort of is I, I, this is like the classiest like black exploitation movie which i don't even know if it really like fits in that category so much but like this definitely takes a huge turn like about halfway in into like uh sleazy grindhouse kind of stuff um but like the first half of this is like a super fucking classy like uh like this is basically like a western to me kind of like this has lots and lots and lots of fucking western tropes about uh jimmy trying to make his way in the world and it's all, yeah, super racially charged, which I definitely appreciated. And I think they, like, really did handle pretty well for, like, the first chunk of this. I mean, it's it doesn't, it doesn't, like, handle it with kid gloves, really. But, like, it, like, it's just, like, it's just bad enough that, like, it gets the point across and doesn't, like, wallow in it, I guess. Which I think is, like, a lot more effective, like, when... I mean, you could almost call, like, a lot of the things that happen to Jimmy along the way, like, before he basically fucking snaps and go goes crazy as, like, microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's all just, like, a lot of little things uh, that, like, just, like, I think wear him down over the course of this movie. And, like, really everybody, like, kind of does eventually treat him like shit and try and fuck him over and... Like, the the only reason they, I think, even really give him the time of day, as opposed to, like, his relatives that show up later in the movie, is because he's half white, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting and not really an idea I remember being done so much in another movie, like, especially as, like, a period piece. Um, but yeah, this movie takes a super fucking hard turn when <laughs> uh, Jimmy and his brother or whoever, like, start fucking hatchet murdering fucking women women and children like yeah. I, I i genuinely thought that that scene was pretty shocking like just how uh just because like the everything previous prior to that in this movie builds it up to be like such a classy like i said like kind of period piece and then it goes full bore into like fucking uh i don't even know like how to describe it just just 3m blood and like uh, <laughs> some fucking brutal murders in the middle of this movie and I was really kind of caught off guard by it and I thought it was super effective and then yeah the whole rest of the movie like it, it really does kind of turn into something else where Jimmy has just snapped and he's just turned into like a fucking vicious killer and either, there's still a couple people that are like you know have his back he like has to basically abandon his wife and his brother and stuff, but, like, I love the character of the doctor that they take hostage yes. towards the end of the movie, McCrady. Uh, that guy is fucking great because he's, like, 
he's he's the closest I think we can get to having sympathy for Jimmy because he knows he, like he's well aware and has already formed an opinion of how they've treated uh, the native people of of Australia and how mm-hmm. they, he's got that big speech about oh we gave you fucking measles and smallpox and booze and Christianity and all this stuff and uh, it's you get a lot of different points of view and I I, I love the exchanges between the dude and the 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 butcher of the town how they're kind yeah. of having their like water cooler moment and talking about, oh my god you hear about the latest on the jimmy blacksmith story and uh i didn't get it except for from the wikipedia on this but the butcher is also apparently the executioner in the fucking town or the hangman <laughs> i guess you'd say <laughs> so that that adds like a whole nother level to that because the butcher the whole time is just like i don't care i just did i i you know i come in and i do what i'm what's expected of me and i did go home and i I, I, I don't get involved in these things. But also, he's the fucking hangman, so, I mean... Yeah. It's, there's a lot going on in this movie, man. I was really, like... I was really surprised how much I like this. This is... Uh, definitely, I'd say, far from the nastiest thing on the list. This might be one of the more... Classy. I mean, yeah, classy yeah, movies. Weirdly yeah. classy, if you know what I mean. In terms of just how it's composed, it, you know, it feels like a movie... Like you, all that stuff you're talking about, I think in a movie, in a grindhouse setting, where you're talking about the events that happen in the back half of this movie, if that your whole movie had that feeling vibe, I don't think they're as, as impactful as they are without the first hour of really like well paced, well acted, well shot drama. Um, which I think is, I think that's the, um, watching something like, once again, if, I don't if you've ever seen Wake and Fright, but Wake and Fright, I would highly recommend, is a similar thing. It's about, it's essentially about a teacher who gets his pay, goes to like a rough off the grid, um, kind of Australian outpost town for the weekend. And within a very short time has gambled all his money away, become desolate, um, you know, a, a drunk um, falls in with the wrong crowd, starts doing like all manner of like fucked up, horrible shit. Um, and like at the beginning of that movie, you have no idea that's what it said. And he's like, "Oh, I got my check in the mail, Gavner." Um, that's a terrible Australian accent. <laughs> but that's how they talk, isn't that right, Witch? Um, shots fired, shots fired. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's, it's a great, ex- and it's why the class is like the first exploitation movie is because it's the first one that has that real grindhouse feel that kicks in from about the 15 minute mark and then you're just watching it going what the fuck is going on here it's got donald pleasance in it as well so if you get a chance check it out um pleasance is a uh, real good in that movie um but yeah i, I mean I'm, I'm i'm with you on this one it feels it feels a bit shameful to be sitting talking about this on a show called doing the nasty yeah, it maybe maybe deserves better than that, but at the same time, also like I mean, they they, I think they pulled a lot of tricks from like uh, you know the exploitation sector of film for the the back half of this movie, and um, yeah, it, it really does feel like you know Oscar caliber filmmakers probably went and made like a, a kind of I, I don't know like. <laughs> The, the, the 80% of this is a super classy western and 20% of this is like a super fair, a fairly gory exploitation movie yeah. I feel like and it's I don't know it's a, it's a, it's a cool kind of mix of the two things I it's think, like when so. you watch um, it's like when you sit down and watch something like Deliverance for the first time 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And Deliverance is a, a very fucking incredibly well shot movie and well acted movie. And for the first half an hour, everything's fine. But then they're school like a pig boy and then things get like all fucked up. And you're at that point where, it, you know, it was nominated for awards because it, get, it should have been nominated for awards. It's a great bit of filmmaking. And I feel the same here. Like, when the movie takes a turn, it takes a turn into nasty territory. But, you know, the fact it's handled so well um, is probably what makes it impact more and feel less cheesy than if this was handled by, you know, the same filmmakers. that You know, if Wes Craven had made this movie, I don't know how we'd be reviewing it. Um, uh. you, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, I think it'd still be really interesting, but... I think the, the the back half of this movie would be a lot more schlocky than than it should be. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I was, I'm glad that we finally got a chance to watch it. Uh, I'm glad we've watched this one. It's ticked off the list. It's got one of the more unusual names um, for the movies we're discussing. But yeah, I, I had a ball with this. I think this is a, a incredible bit of cinema. So, um, I, I mean, the weird thing is when we come to grade this because... There are a few things here that I, if I was putting my sensor hat on back in 82, 83, there are some triggers in here that would definitely fly up to, you know, like that, you know, what we're <laughs> yep. doing here. And it's mostly around the racism. I think the racism and even like the, some of the brutality that comes towards the end. How this movie, like I said, the aforementioned movie, which I can't, it's not pick a fight, but it's... It, it's got some, I don't know, someone will remember and tell me about it from season one. Um, but there's a movie in season one which has essentially a lot of racist language. It's nowhere near as violent as this. And that movie was on the tier one list. And here we are on the tier three list. And I'm like, well, this has the same language. Um, in fact, if anything, it's more violent in parts than that other movie. But because it's a classier outing, um, that's why it kind of finds its way, I think, personally on the yeah. tier three list um, yeah I mean in terms of grades listeners out there thank you for listening to us chat uh, we do our kind of <laughs> off the beaten track sort of approach to grading on doing the nasty uh, we have four different grades four bands of grades uh, as opposed to giving it a grade on technical skill and filmmaking and all the rest it's more fun because it's a fun show you should be laughing right now as we talk about <coughs> women murder um, Holmes. Uh, the, the, the hardest grade we can give this um, uh, it's hard time it does some hard time in the slammer I think that's what the Australians call it um, I actually do think that's what the Australians call it the, the slammer because they're weird shots fired which I, I, I'm going to stop I promise wait till I get to the Italian movie um, <laughs> mamma mia uh, right so <laughs> I'm in a weird mood today. Uh, yeah, hard time is the the you know the, the the worst grade. That's reserved to movies like Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, we have some community service. That's for we understand what you did, but we're not going to lock you away for it. But you know what you did, so go and serve the community. Underneath that, we have a slap on the wrists, as in right. Come on, you you're you're pushing it. You're pushing the line here. Your foot's kind of on it, but you've not crossed it. We know what you've done. You know what we've done. Let's just leave it at that. And then we have case dismissed, which is a, why are you here? You're wasting my time. You're wasting your time. Um, I'm sick of your jerk off face. Sick of your name. I'm sick of you jerk off. You know what I mean? It's, it's a real Lebowski moment. Um, and with this one, I don't... It's a... Mm, 
I'm tempted to send it packing, honestly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, this is, is, is a... It, it goes back to... Overall tone, I think, is a big thing for me. And yep. overall, this, this is a classy-as-fuck Western movie with some nastiness, like, towards the end of it. Like, overall... Uh, I don't think this really deserves to be censored, but I guess also if I'm putting myself in the place of a censor in the fucking early 80s, uh, the the hatchet killings are pretty fucking gnarly, and they kill yeah. children in this movie. Yes. So, yeah, child I mean, death is a big no-no. And yeah, they don't really ones. show it except for, I think, the one, the fucking kid that like gets the hatchet to the back of the head, which I yeah. thought was like one of the gnarlier fucking parts of the... Like, that genuine, genuinely made me kind of gasp. <laughs> like even now, I was like, "Oh my god, what the yeah. fuck!" But it's also it's also that three M fucking Dawn of the Dead blood that like they couldn't couldn't get past until the fucking mid eighties or so. Yeah. So I mean, I'd be willing to wager even at the time there were probably stage plays that were bloodier than this. I, oh I yeah, know. oh god, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it, it's over overall tone. I think works for and against it, kind of because like so much of it is so classy, but also it does such a great job building up to this moment where like all hell breaks loose, kind of. So, I mean, you're, I re- you're swinging me. You're swinging me. I was going to originally say slap on the wrist, but I'm now thinking, yeah, let's dismiss this motherfucker. It's the best blogs in a museum. <laughs> Probably is an Australia's only museum. <laughs> yeah, the Australian film archive or whatever the, their equivalent yeah. ours is. Yeah. Like it, it, sh- yeah. it should be. It should be. This yeah. is a I love how you saved that. I, I love how you saved that <laughs> sweeping indictment. <laughs> sweeping indictment of culture and society in Australia. I'm, I'm glad that you did that uh, because the, uh, I imagine at this point the witch has destroyed whatever device he was listening to this one. We love you, witch. You know we do. It's just, it's so easy to pick on you. Uh, right, so we're going to take a short break, ladies and gents. We're going to return with the masterclass of horror cinema by master maestro of horror the the phenomenal Dario Argento. Ladies and gents, we're going to be talking about Suspiria, but before we get to that, you're going to hear Learner Gentleman. If this is not Alan Jones, I will eat my own cock, right? Like this, is, like this has got Alan Jones, <laughs> Alan Jones written all over it. He, he's the guy who wrote the Argento biography, so I, I would imagine Alan Jones is going to tell you why Suspiria is maybe the greatest movie ever made. Uh, you're then going to hear the trailer for it, and then when we return, we're going to tell you why we pretty much agree with everything that Alan Jones said, who's more qualified than Mark or I to uh, talk about this movie just in general. But we're going to do it right after this. Here's the ticket for the actual original press show of Dario Argento Suspiria, one of the films that actually changed my life. Um, from this moment on, I was a devoted Argento fan, even though I'd seen the Animal Trilogy and all his other jallos. But this led me to actually meeting him and eventually writing the book on him. Suspiria, of course, is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It's listed in so many top tens, it's certainly in mine. Here's the original Thorny MI video box with, strangely enough, a very, very uh, erudite review by Alexander Walker on the back. That gives it a bit of cred. They obviously wanted to go for more than just the horror crowd with this one. Um, What can I tell you about this movie? It's quite short because Deep Red had suffered so many cuts. 
it was co-written by Dario and Daria Nicolodi, although she's not in it because she hated the fact he took the credit so much that she walked off the movie. Because there is a bit of a controversy about where exactly the story comes from. I mean, is it Daria Nicolodi's grandmother who actually said she attended a school for witchcraft in Germany? Is it a story that Daria was told by his grandmother about witches working in schools? Whatever the case, uh, it comes together brilliantly well, all wrapped around Thomas de Quincey's Confessions of an Opium Eater's Three Mothers' Tale, and this one, of course, is about Matus Aspiriorum. I think this has got the best opening 15 minutes of any horror film you could ever have seen. Uh, Daria was used to tell me that it opened like a major horror film would close, because that way you never knew what was going to come next. Uh, Jessica Harper is the star. Uh, she was in it solely because Dario had seen her in Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise and loved her. Just said to her, can you sort of like fake being a ballet dancer? She said, sure. And so she was in it. Um, she's told me that she wanted to be a part of it because it had such strong female roles. And um, there's Alida Valley in it. There's Joan Bennett in it. She was Fritz Lang's widow. Fritz Lang being one of Dario's big heroes. And they're very, very strong characters. And... Dario is often sort of accused of being misogynist, but really, when you look at his work, he did write some amazing parts for some very, very strong women. Originally, the plan was to have all the actors as about 14, 15 years old, but the Italian uh, distributor said, no, you can't have that. You've got to make them teenagers or early 20s. But that's the reason why the production design is the way it is. All the door handles are quite high up to reduce the actual characters down so they do look like children in a fairy tale. Um, Snow White, Disney's version of Snow White is what Dario's always said, spurred him on to do this movie. This, of course, is famous for its look. Uh, Luciano Tavoli's wonderful photography, which was all lights bouncing on mirrors to really, really heighten the blacks, the golds, and the, the three colours, the blues, the greens, the reds. It is one of the most extraordinary looking movies ever made, I think, and a total masterpiece, which is why all this stuff about a remake being done is nonsense, because you can never replicate this look. I mean, the story is nothing special. Uh, you know, a, a ballerina goes to Black Forest Tie and gets involved in a witch's coven. Um, anyone can do that. It's the look and the feel of the film. And Goblin's soundtrack is one of the best ever. How beautiful is that? I mean, they actually did act to some of it already pre-recorded on set, and you can really tell that. You really get a real palpable feeling of dread, and I think that's one of the reasons why this film works so well. You can hide from Suspiria. I mean, clearly, it was going to cause problems. I mean... There's so many versions of the early part of this movie. I mean, the heart being exposed, how many stabs in the heart. Um, so that would have, I think, drawn attention to the Section 3 list listing. So, you know, but to everyone who knows anything about horror, uh, Suspira is a total masterpiece and one of the best of all time. I've attended many premieres in Rome of Dario's films, and he's always exactly the same. He's sort of like drives round the corner of the cinema, keeps driving, making sure everything's ready to calm his nerves. He gets out of the car, he comes up to the cinema, he goes back, he's a bundle of nerves. But for the first time he told me that that actually never was an issue with him, was with Suspiria. He was confident going into the premiere that it was going to work. And he said the moment the screaming started, he relaxed. He said it's the most 
amazing experience he's ever had at any one of his film showings, and he still remembers it to this day. Roses are red, violets are blue, but the iris is the flower that will mean the end of you. Suspiria. You can run from Suspiria. You can hide from Suspiria. Suspiria. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. And welcome back. So you have just heard the trailer for Suspiria. This one is directed by Dario Argento, based on the screenplay which was co-written by Dario Argento and has then partner Daria Nicolodi is based on, well loosely based on Suspiria di Profundo or Profundus uh, by Thomas De Quincey. Wait a minute, there's a fucking book? This is based on a book? Uh, it's not really based on a book. But the idea of the three mothers is based on the idea of um, Mater Tenebranum, Mater Suspiriorum, and whatever the other one is that I can't remember at the moment, um, that is outlined in a book. But the Damn. actual the actual idea, as, as an old book as well, but the actual idea of Suspiria being the way it is, um, is, you know, it was, I think if memory serves, it was Daria Nickelodeon that came up with it. Um, and then Argento started feeding into to specific ideas on it. Um, so yeah, this one has a interesting cast. Once again, we have Jessica Harper, Stefani Cassini, Flavio Bucci, uh, Miguel Boz, Barbara Magnolfi, Susanna Giavicoli, <laughs> oh dear, Udo Kier, I can do that one, yay! Udo! Uh, Udo, who is overdubbed, oh, overdubbed Kier is what we're calling him now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's some other folks in this one as well. Um, the synopsis for this one as listed on IMDb is an American newcomer to a prestigious German ballet academy comes to realise that the school is a front for something sinister amid a series of grisly murders. A murder! Everything's a murder, isn't it? I like how they call it a front because that usually implies that, like, <laughs> the there's mob. something insidious hidden within something innocuous. Uh, from the minute she rolls up to this fucking place, it is sinister and like. From the minute she terrifying. gets off the plane, Mark, yeah. she gets off the plane. This diddly 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 diddly. Cab driver like gives off like I'm gonna kill you kind of fucking vibes. And, yeah, even the rain is like you're gonna die. Yeah. You're going straight to fucking hell. Like yes, this is why Noah built an ark. It's like it's the most rain that's ever fallen ever. She sits in the cab with 
light that's unnatural and it's coming from places that light shouldn't come from and just like goblin is just going rag like, like it's just like what the fuck are we doing here this movie doesn't front anything it's it's <laughs> no. it's in your fa- it's a fucking pie to the face it's so fucking it's, it's also i love this idea of like when i think of the word affront you know like uh, affront for something it's it's mob related it's like that way where you like ask a mobster what they do and they're like waste collection management Yep. You're like, or oh, you're a mobster. All this German valley. Also, oh, you're a witch. Um, so like, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Um, oh, what? I, I mean, I've spoken. This, I, I have spoken about Suspiria on a number of different occasions. Um, I will try and keep things brief, and then I'll let Mark speak more on it. Um, I will. I will front this by saying Suspiria is. It's in my top five horror movies ever made. Um, and whilst I think it's Argento's best made movie, it's not my favourite Argento movie. Um, my favourite Argento movie is Tenebrae, which he made two movies after this. Right. Um, which I think is just like, you know, that just fucking, that movie is all, all things that I love. Um, but Suspiria, the first time I saw it was on a kind of crappy VHS rental from way back in the day circa 97, 98 so and I would have been what I would have been 16, 17 um, when I saw this movie and it was at the point of me first starting to get into Italian horror movies so I had seen a few before I'd seen some of the ones that were on the kind of tier 1 tier 2 video Nasty Lost because we used to my brother used to get bootlegs of them so I get a chance to see some of them but it was mostly the ones you would expect so things like Zombie Flesh Eaters I'd seen it you know that sort of thing Cannibal Holocaust I'd seen it Um, Cannibal Ferox as well weirdly uh, but on these crappy VHS bootleg rips so they just didn't look nice uh, which kind of added to their charm a little bit in hindsight but Suspiria was one of these ones where I was like I know this Argento name I've heard it before I am weirdly aware of Suspiria I don't know how probably from something like Kerrang! magazine back in the day probably because like Jonathan Davis had talked about it from Corn Um, you know like like something like that it would just been dropped there I'd heard it a lot and I sat down and I watched it and my brain broke when I watched this movie I literally had not a fucking clue what I'd just watched even to the point where and it's one of my things enduring memories of this movie just in general is you know instead of right here's the casting credits it's you have been watching Suspiria at the end and I'm like yeah I fucking have uh, holy shit because it's that it's that way where if you go on a roller coaster ride you um when you come off you have you have just ridden whatever the, the, the roller coaster ride is it's that experience and it's encapsulated here it's like a kind of weird funhouse of terrors all wrapped up in Argento's psychedelic colour schemes like woozy dreamlike camera work and then just violently juxtaposed with some of the like most twisted shit that even at then I'd ever seen like the whole idea of the the kind of barbed wire room still just kind of breaks my brain I'm like why is it why is it there because <laughs> it looks cool yeah how did they get it in there I mean and how who are they cares ta- <laughs> it looks great <laughs> and how are they taking it out like, that's in the, like, like how are they picking that body out of there in bits I would imagine um, but yeah it's, it's a it's, it's a phenomenally weird movie and and I say that with with all the respect to Argento 
that I can. I don't think anyone has ever really come close to crafting something out with Argento himself or maybe the director of Haosu, um the, the kind of Japanese schoolgirl weird weird fucking movie yeah. um, it was something like that I don't think there are many films maybe Phantasm to an extent with the way kind of like Coscarelli deals with kind of dream logic and stuff there are very few movies that kind of capture just the idea of what a nightmare should feel like like Suspiria it doesn't always make sense nor should it um, some of the setups are bizarre the deaths are fucking gruesome and by god are they the most metal thing that you would have seen in 1977 but I mean as story goes it's kind of thin it's like it's, it's one that really doesn't lean too much on it when you hear about Argento and Nickelode being uh, obsessed with like Snow White the idea of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs um, and the, the vibrant Technicolor uh, that Disney had employed to do their use of a fairy tale to be then kind of brought into the horror environment, which is a direct, you know, a direct inspiration for them. When you you see that, it kind of starts to make sense. This is just as much a dark fairy tale as as a horror movie, um, and I'm not just saying that because there's a you know a coven of witches, but the story itself very much like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, it's kind of a basic bitch, you know. What I mean, it's, there's not a lot going on here. Foreigner try, uh, travels to school. Something weird going on in the school. She tries to investigate a little bit more. Oh, Bob's your uncle is a witch, obviously. Um, and there's more witches. It's a bit of witchcraft. She needs to get rid of the witches and escape. And all will be saved. Roll the credits. It's really no deeper than that at all. That's that's the that is the the kind of level of plot. But Argento manages to craft a a, a spectacle that you just wouldn't take up like the the violence in this movie is the dog scene for for a start that dog i'm sure that dog was eating that man uh like, <laughs> like i mean it's just so fucking violent um and argento has a thing about violent dogs i like it. i kind of love it but the the cinematography is gorgeous the camera work is incredible the look of the interior is phenomenal and then if all that isn't enough mark goblin um, with maybe their best soundtrack ever like I think I'd I, I go back and forth on this one but the Goblin soundtrack uh, for Suspiria is fucking incredible um, it's I- iconic it's so good and I love the fact that even before you know it, it's about witches Goblin are telling you it's about witch, witch. <laughs> oh my God. she's just got off the fucking plane what am I doing here start in the taxi witch um, I love it I think it's fucking phenomenal um, it has one of my favourite scares in the horror cinema just hands down when the, the kind of reanimated dead uh, girl from the school comes out and the same thing that he used in Deep Red it's basically a rip off of, of his dummy scare in Deep Red which yeah. I kind of love he's just like that the audience has loved that let's do it again and it worked again but when she comes out with the, the lacerated face the clearly fake plastic eyes <laughs> like they're stuck on like a pair of those glasses you get where the, the eyes drop off and springs <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that uh, with, you know with the, the, the dagger above her and doing that kind of maniacal evil laugh right as the music all cuts out as well which once again he did in Deep Red I, it's hard not to adore this movie the first death in this movie like the hanging scene is just fucking 
epic and it just continues all the way through um, and I'll go I'll go on record not that you asked me Mark I love the Suspiria remake as well I think the Suspiria remake takes an unfilmable remake puts its own spin on it and and does a lot of things that update it modernise it whilst at the same time making it completely different from Argento Suspiria which is how I think you approach a remake yeah, um, yeah this, is a, this is a heavy love from me I, I can't speak enough about it however Mark um taking into account all the stuff that I've just said which did feel like I've got five minutes to wank this out let's get let's get on with it <laughs> you know, the, 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 the titular danger wank of a review um, Suspiria like you like me must watch this on the reg so um, coming for it for a critical eye to do it for this uh, show um, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen Suspiria many times. It had been a couple years because I've had that Synapse uh, Steelbook Blu-ray mm. that is the restored version in 4K. And I don't know if I'd ever sat down and watched it. And I bought that thing like two years ago, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I finally have like a nice 4K TV. Uh, the kind of this dumb technical crap kind of the, the only <laughs> stupid thing about my setup is I've my my Blu-ray player is my PlayStation 4 yeah and it's a basic bitch version of the PS4 <laughs> so it doesn't output in 4k it's still only even though it's an HDMI cable connected to my fucking 4k TV it's only outputting in 1080p mm-hmm. uh, that being said uh, I had never seen fucking Suspiria look so fucking good as it's it amazing, does on that it? Blu-ray. Oh. It was like, uh, really the only way I can think to describe it is it was like mind-melting to see some of the stuff in this movie. Like, it's, it's like, the colors pop so much and, like, the images themselves are just so fucking weird in a lot of this and, like, it just... It did, man. Well, sitting watching this last night, it just did something to my brain where it was just like it. I, I felt like I was like 15 again watching this for the first time, mm. and it, like you said, just broke my fucking brain. Um, yeah, this I, I, I've talked about this movie a lot. I, I don't really, I'm not super sure what else to. <laughs> a lot of the more like I, I, on this viewing, a lot of the more uh, less obvious things, I think, like kind of came there man there's lots of like especially in the first like uh 20 minutes of this movie there's so much to unpack and like that yeah that that the ride over on the airport i think is such a fucking amazing scene where she's in the cab or whatever because like it really like sets the mood and like you said like like right at the gate the soundtrack is just like this is a fucking spooky witch movie <laughs> uh and like uh, man they get they get rain Right, really well in that scene because it's like so fucking sinister. It's it's mm-hmm. it's like a, a character into itself. And uh, I remember this is this really great shot of like a I forget it's like a it's like a storm drain or something that's just like overflowing with mm-hmm. water, and it's just like this like it looks like something out of like a National Geographic documentary or something. It's just like the slow push in of this water, and it's like such a like with everything else juxtaposed around it. It's just like such a deeply psychedelic fucking shot like that makes like something so innocuous as like water seem fucking sinister i mean that that's this movie like it's it's it, it's it's got like a lot of different levels like where where you know i mean <laughs> like the, the the set design also i think is a fucking character in itself <laughs> like the 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 
the mansion or where the the school itself is just like so uh man it's 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 like Kubrickian and also yeah. like uh there's there's shades of you know uh like stuff like El Topo in this I mean like uh I I I was thinking of 2001 a lot while I was watching this for some reason because I'm just like this is this is what happens when you get like one of the most brilliant filmmakers of all time in his prime and yeah. you give him a nice juicy budget to just do whatever the fuck he wants and mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, we got Suspiria, which yeah is one of one of the most beautiful, one of the weirdest, and like just I, I think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Like honestly, like it's it's so many things I love. Uh, the soundtrack of this made me want to learn how to write music. Like it, it was it was a combination of a couple of soundtracks. Suspiria is a huge one just because it's so fucking weird and so non-traditional and uh, is, is sets such a fucking mood for this movie and is, is super iconic. Like, you say Suspiria and the theme song just, like, pops into my head, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, I straight me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Man, it's, it's, it's such a, like, perfect storm of, like, people just firing on all cylinders and, like making such a deeply weird fucking movie that's like 90% under like like you're you're talking about the that's how I heard this movie described for a long time like when I first kind of became aware of it was Snow White on Acid which yeah. <laughs> it, it is accurate I guess but like like I was thinking about that last night too like I I, I well, I was I was trying to describe this movie to one of my technicians who's like about twenty years old and had never I don't think heard of this and I showed him uh, the old school trailer for this that's like kind of corny and like uh, so it makes us look more like a exploitation movie and even that like he was like oh my god like this movie looks fucking crazy. And I was like, the story is not super important. <laughs> this is like mm-hmm. a, this is a, this movie is all about mood and atmosphere, and like you're kind of just along for the ride. And um, it, it in in that respect, I think it's kind of similar to uh, some of Argento's more giallo stuff, where it's uh, more like a the the audience doesn't really get like to see stuff like like you're you're with the character along for the ride kind of and you get the story as it comes and it like kind of I don't I don't know I get we we basically know that this is a witch movie going in pretty early but like they don't you know just super spell stuff out in this movie you kind of got to go go along with Susie for the ride sort of deal so um yeah, this man. I, I, I'm I'm not sure what else to say about this. I can't I can't imagine being somebody in 1977 or 78 whenever this came out and seeing this for the first fucking time. <laughs> Especially those poor censors, man. This is this is not a movie made for like people that aren't into really weird avant-garde type of shit. This is this this is uh, for all the weirdos, I think, kind mm-hmm. of and. The people, people with kind of artist brains, I guess you'd say. So, um, yeah, not really surprised this, this ended up on the list. I'd be kind of surprised this didn't end up on like the first list. Like, oh god, yeah, like for, this to me the ti- feels for the time, especially. Well, Tenebrae is on the first list. That's the <laughs> so like Tenebrae is on the is on the is it the... yeah? I'm sure Tenebrae is on the tier one list. 
Um, well, and the difference so, between those two movies, I think, that's huge is the blood. Like in Suspiria, yeah. we're again we're still on the three M Dawn of the Dead stage blood, and by Tenebrae came around, I think everybody knew the the good blood recipe, yeah. and it looks way more real. Yeah, I think there's a, there's there also like kind of sexual violence and and Tenebrae, which isn't in you know and a deep red or Suspiria, like the right. idea of of. You know, of that and the, the censors were really effing on that I mean like Suspiria once again I, I mean it's it's just a masterpiece it has one of my favourite taglines of of all time depending on which version of Suspiria you've watched the tagline changes depending on the, the runtime. but uh, the only thing more terrifying than the last five minutes are the first 90 um, which <laughs> I fucking love that oh man so so good yeah we could literally just blow this movie for another hour <laughs> um, and to be honest with you I've got the stamina to do it um, just got fear of lockjaw which might happen um, you never know you never know um, yeah let's, let's let's bring this in um, this one is a difficult one to do the old grade on because this one is uber violent <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it, it does it is quite jarring I kind of feel like that you can't case dismiss this one because this one ain't a classy movie in the you know in the way that the previous one was but it's handled with a maestro's care um i mean t- to me there's enough <laughs> there's enough sinister shit in here to to launch this up do i think this is community service or do i think it's a slap on the wrist i think i'm going to go with a slap on the wrists um and the reason i'm going to go there as opposed to some of the other ones is i think it does avoid some of the gnarlier racial issues or even to an extent some of the gender issues that some of the other movies that we've given community service to already in this series kind of have this one is he kind of belts and braces horror movie um and you know the is violent and i you know that violence i can understand but i also know it's not real so uh slapping the wrists from this guy where are you coming in mark I think I'd go the same. The, it, it, it is super gnarly and nasty, but it's also it has a fairly large touch of, um, I would call it, it's it's fairly fantastical, I guess. And like the fairy tale vibe, I think, takes at least a little bit of the edge off. That that being said, I, I still think this is a pretty shocking movie, even by like today's standards. And it just like... <laughs> But but like you said, it's it's not exploitative. It's it's very fantastical, and I mean, it's like really done. Like, uh, I mean, like you you could watch the Spiria and walk out of it without like you know thinking too hard about any of the subtext or like what this movie is like about under the surface. And it's just like a you know crazy trippy bloody fucking roller coaster ride kind of. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be, I would probably be a lot more lenient on this one than like you know a lot of the trashier shit that we've watched for this show so far, and also just like cultural importance comes in like this is, this is another one of those it belongs in a museum movies <laughs> like this is, this is a fucking masterpiece. This is definitely like one of the best horror movies ever made, and I think like one of the best movies ever made like this belongs right up there with stuff like 2001 and the shining and um yeah this this is uh <laughs> this is this is a slap on the wrist and like yeah part of that is i i have a really hard time putting myself in the shoes of somebody watching this for the first fucking time 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I was like 15 when I first saw this, and I, I first became aware of it by, I forget what the name of it is. It was a, it was a, a Halloween special. It was like, I think it was called like the 100 greatest horror movies ever made. It was, it was on like A&E or something when I was like about 15 or so. And they show a good chunk of the first like 10 minutes or so of this. Definitely like when shit starts popping off, like when the arm comes through the window and grabs oh, the yeah. chick. They showed like about that to about the part where the chick falls through the ceiling with the rope around her neck. And that right there, I was like, oh my God, I've got to fucking see the rest of this movie. Like I, I was <laughs> a little 15, 16 year old, my brain like first starting to get into like a lot of the, the heavy hitters of horror. Like I think at that point I'd seen... Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead and stuff like that. I'm my, I'm just eating this stuff up and yeah, Argento and Suspiria I think was really like my gateway drug into Italian horror and uh, you know not very long after I think I discovered Fulci and Zombie and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, this was I think like one of the first Italian horror movies I ever saw. So th this this one this one is always always gonna have you know a special place in my yeah. heart kind of. Yeah, I get it, I get it. We love it, and if you've never seen it, well, what the fuck are you doing, guys? Yeah. Rectify. Right, we're going to take our final break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. When we return, we are closing out this episode of Doing the Nasty and letting you know what we're doing in a month's time. And by the way, Mark, FYI, one really good movie, one which will be interesting to talk about. Um, I've seen them both. So... <laughs> You've seen at least one of them. Uh, right, we are going to be doing that right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been Season 2, Episode number 16, with reviews of Suspiria from 1977 and The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith from 1978. Ooh, in one month's time, we are returning with another bona fide classic. In fact, I go one step further forward. This is, on any given day when you ask me, my favourite horror movie ever made. It sits right beside The Shining atop the pile, ladies and gents. This is the Toby Hooper classic 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, oh damn. Good God, we're spoiled. We're a treat yourself, Mark. It's a treat yourself episode. Um, <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing. Um, we are doubling it up with a movie which is maybe less treat yourself and more get away from me um, uh -oh. we are going to be doing the first movie in what has been known as Ruggiero Diodato's Cannibal Trilogy oh, oh no. that's right from 1977 we will be looking at Cannibal aka <laughs> some of the AKAs are amazing here Jungle Holocaust um, <laughs> oh, aka no. Jungle Cannibal aka Last Cannibal World from 19. 77 uh, is classed as the first entry in his Cannibal Trilogy uh, it would later have um, parts of this are actually used in the Cannibal movie he did after this called Eaten Alive 
But yes, which the official... we've oh no, which we've already done on this show. <laughs> yes, so you will oh, you will recognize fuck. you'll recognize a couple of bits. Um, but this is the first one um, in the trilogy, which would obviously see Cannibal Holocaust being the second one and Cut and Run, um, which is much more fun than it sounds from 1985. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, of fun times. On the synopsis for this one, I didn't bother with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because ofs. Um, an oil prospector is captured by a violent and primitive cannibal tribe in the Philippines rainforest, but he manages to escape with a female hostage and tries to locate his missing companion and their aeroplane in order to return home. That sounds like it might be okay. Uh, fuck. Well, two two cannibal movies, I guess, technically, in May. Yep. One one that I know I love, and one that I'm fairly certain I'm going to fucking hate. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride, for yep. sure. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I hadn't even put that together. Two cannibal movies, back-to-back, back, <laughs> next month. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Cannibal from 1977. That will be your episode number 17 dropping next month. Before then, Mark, you do lots of weird and wonderful things online. Where can people check out the picture of your... Uh, you, you're already hitting the old uh, the old uh, plants. And that's pretty quick this year. You've already... Well, I, I, I jumped the gun massively and planted stuff about three months early. Our, our <laughs> fucking last, last frost when it's okay to put stuff outside isn't until, like, Mother's Day in May, so... Uh, yeah, I got I got plants that are fucking dying to go outside, and it's driving me crazy. Uh, but yeah, you can find all that crap. I also do like toy photography and occasionally talk about other stuff. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. That's the fancy mark for both of those. Uh, come over and join the Doing Nasty group. We've been kind of slacking on there again, but I'll, <laughs> I'll we'll try and get some conversations going in there on, on the old Facebooks. Uh, definitely go check out our buddy Tony on the Video Nasty Project that's on YouTube it's uh, he actually just uh, I think dropped a Suspiria he just dropped Suspiria which I didn't watch but I will watch Tony I try not to watch anything that will colour my reviews before I do them so there's a reason I didn't watch it is because you might have spouted that fact on that most likely because you guys deep dive um, and I would have taken that fact and passed it off as knowledge that I had when, when it is in fact knowledge that I've stolen so. right. <laughs> and, and similarly I, I finally got the the first uh, video nasty the, the, the documentary the copy I, I own both of them now and I have watched both of them and holy shit they are fucking packed with information There's so much stuff so much stuff and now you can get to, to like for I always find because like, as a concept I think Americans kind of know what the nasties were like and what was all about but it's only when you really sit down and watch those documentaries you understand how badly people were hyperventilating about the movies yeah um and they were being burned they were being rounded up and burned which is what nazis did to books so you know what i mean that's that's how insane things actually got and people did jail time i mean yeah. that's the thing people that, had that, their homes raided for fucking yeah. tapes video t- VHS tapes which had movies on them um, and you'll be able to finally put some of the, the voices to the, 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 the faces when it comes to uh, Mary Whitehouse with a, I've never seen a, a, a video nasty movie before I don't need to see them uh, or the guy who believes that they can affect dogs yep <laughs> Oh, jeez, a fucking knob. Um, so, yeah. Oh, they're great documentaries, man. They're great. And like you say, uh, just packed. 
with content, like those extra discs where you get an introduction, which is where I rip all the audio for um, for the shows we do, where it's basically <laughs> a guy, uh, a famous critic or film historian, giving you an intro into the trailer and then getting to see the trailer. It's kind of amazing. Kim um, Newman's, or is it Ken Newman? Kim Kim Newman's amazing because Newman, he's yeah. dressed like a Victorian snooker player. <laughs> I love him. Or, he's, or, he's great. Yeah. Because he like Kim Newman um, and Alan Jones are my two favorite on there. Alan Jones runs; he's one of four guys that runs uh, Fright Fest okay. over here. So I've met Alan a few times, and uh, I've met Paul. He, Paul's one of the other guys. Paul McEnroy, yeah. he's a nice guy. I think he pops up in the documentaries once or twice. Yeah, he, he, does, he, he does. And then you obviously you have um, like Stephen Thrower, who is the guy. Um, when it comes to American exploitation cinema, uh, which right. is weird because he's British. <laughs> like he's, he's I think the, the version of the uh, the version of, of J- the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith I watched the 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 YouTube channel is called Alan Jones, and I'm fairly yeah. certain it might be his fucking personal account. <laughs> <laughs> he just put this fucker up up into the world and said, "Here you go." So I wonder th- if thanks, he's Alan maybe Jones. screened it. Maybe if he screened it somewhere, potentially then forgot to put it on his private or something. I don't know. I don't know because yeah, it's a fairly good quality version of the movie. I don't know if it's like quite like Blu-ray quality or whatnot or yeah, restored yeah. quality, but it's a good quality and it's just right there for you to watch. So, <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gents. You heard it here first. So yeah, we're we're gonna be back. We're gonna be back in one month's time. But until then, Mark, say bye to our listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Keep keep watching them band movies. Yes, keep them. Keep the dream alive. Uh, this has been. Doing the nasty, and we will speak to you next time. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. I didn't mean to go as hard on Australia, but once I I found it, it was making me, once I found it was making me smile, I was like, no, we're doing this now. This is fucking amazing. I can just imagine how annoyed he's going to be. Damien's going to be fucking ranch. Duncan, you cunt. (laughs) Very much. If I don't get a post on the page saying that, the next time we go harder on them. Um, Even if it's not Australian, I'll just start, like, I'll just go for it. (laughs) We'll Uh, make it about Australia. (laughs) Right, we're back to talk about Suspiria in three, two, one.